0: Hello everybody, thank you for joining us again, um, Mental Health Awareness Week, special episode, our first one went out uh, yesterday, I think was it, yesterday, Tuesday, uh, dealing with all things men, uh, so uh, the, the, the second part is, obviously I said on, on, on the post, we're going to talk about women and c- kind of mental health issues with women and certain pressures and what happens with, with women, I call I, I my hands up, I'm not the best with this kind of thing, so I thought I'd get my, my, my mate Faye on. Uh to join us and have a chat about some kind of issues and stuff that comes up with women. And I've got Matthew. Matthew's joined us on this one as well. How are you doing, big boy? All
1: right, mate, yeah, not bad. There'll be a lot of people looking at this though if they haven't put the audio on thinking Tim's changed.
0: <laughs> yeah. Shaved his feet. <laughs> um,
1: so he looks like he's had a shave. <laughs>
0: uh yeah, so I what kind of Babble on too much, but yeah, this one's all about kind of women and um, a couple of things. We're going, to, we're going to cover kind of social media and stuff like that, and kind of family stress. Uh, Faye's got a lovely, lovely family, uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about family stress and how we can kind of cope with that a little bit. But Faye, do you just want to give us a minute to kind of introduce yourself to everybody and kind of things that you do?
2: Yeah, sure. So uh, my name is Faye Hurley, and I am an entrepreneur, and I help women uh, in business using hypnosis and coaching uh, to overcome self-sabotage, usually. It also includes what I call inner critic anxiety. So, of course, that's where the kind of mental health aspect comes into it. Um, But they sabotage themselves, their success, uh, their relationships, uh, all due to really uh, insecurity issues. So I help them to restore their self-worth, and uh, overcome that insecurity so that they have this um, inner confidence so that they really feel good about themselves. And what tends to then happen for my clients is they get massive. Uh, shifts in their businesses so they get the financial leaps they are you know proudly putting themselves out there doing things like this being on video whereas they would have been scared of it before Um, they tend to have closer relationships with their children their partner their family friends um, and their health improves of course especially their mental health Uh, so my company is uh, worthywomancoaching.co.uk yeah
0: so just a general chat really just about kind of things in and around kind of mental health. We are a mental health podcast, so obviously we, we talk about other things as well. But um, so what are the kind of main issues you find, fair with, with 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 women and obviously ladies who, who come to you with, with issues? What's the kind of main kind of issues to have? Is it a kind of self-confidence thing? Is it a mental health yeah. thing? That kind of thing? It's,
2: it's really interesting. Because I work with women entrepreneurs, uh, they tend to come across as quite confident, you know, so they will do things like, public speaking engagements um they will do video kind of uh, marketing that kind of thing but what tends to happen is that it will take them ages to prepare for it and like it's the behind the scenes it's the insides that they are absolutely terrified so what people don't see is them you know preparing for weeks in advance being you know losing sleep the you know heart palpitations the sweaty palms they won't that the people don't see that because my clients tend to have like a really great um ability to to put on the mask you know it's like a performance so they will that's where the anxiety really comes from is this um perfectionism uh there's also uh, you know comparisonitis that type of thing so imposter syndrome all of that kind of stuff comes into it so they do the thing they do do it but it's so scary for them it takes such a lot of energy for them to do it that therefore they tend to have also uh, mental health and physical health issues behind the scenes uh, so like a lot of autoimmune issues all that kind of stuff really and um and also their relationships They have a lot of struggles in their personal relationships behind the scenes because they are massive um, people pleasers. They are over givers. So they tend to attract uh, all sorts of what I call takers. So in different ways so they might attract the narcissists, they might attract really needy people so that because they're such massive givers, they tend to attract the takers of the world. um, And. Even if they haven't done that, even if they are fortunate enough to kind of be in uh, a relationship with someone that is, you know, emotionally fairly healthy, they will struggle themselves to ask for what they need and what they want. So their relationships will, will still suffer because they feel guilty about asking for what they want. So they're always trying to put other people first. So those are kind of the issues that my clients... Um, have behind the scenes. Uh, On the surface, their issue that they tend to come to me with is um, insecurity, lack of confidence, like the roller coaster of of, um, insecurity and confidence, and that affects their business as well. So, again, self-sabotaging their visibility in their business so they stop marketing for a long time until they bring themselves back, Um, and that, of course, is the roller coaster of their income as well. So, um, so those are sort of some of the main issues for my clients.
1: So you've gone into quite a bit of detail there about what it is you do. Um, sounds very, very interesting as well and very complex. I want to go back a little bit further and um, what drew you to that line of work? Uh,
2: There's no surprises really. It's my own my own story is uh, is that kind of thing. So that's obviously my background was that. Um, again very dysfunctional relationships that I had when I was you know younger a younger woman Uh, so I would uh, what I would class myself as is a recovering codependent so what I've pretty much described before is really uh, a lot of the traits of codependency so I had to heal from that myself I had to actually go to to recovery programs for that so um, what they were termed as though was uh, domestic abuse recovery programs so that was my background and they helped me so much and of course I knew that by default my children would benefit from what I'd learned as well and I didn't want my kids to kind of have the same pattern of dysfunctional relationships that I had had and this lack of self-worth, this lack of self-confidence. So I knew that as I was kind of healing myself, I would also be healing my children and my children's children and hopefully, you know, many generations to come. Um, but while I was on the recovery programmes, I uh, also wanted to learn how to to be an educator in the very thing that i'd learned so i, I trained to become a domestic abuse uh, educator um and and there's a whole do you want me to tell you the sort of the whole story i don't know how much to tell we, will, we, will,
0: we will go into your story a little bit later on there's, there's a question i'll ask about that but yeah it's a lot of kind of mental health and kind of relationship is around especially now modern day is around about domestic abuse is 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 that accurate would you say
2: yeah i mean uh i can sort of speak from from myself and my clients they they've not all experienced domestic abuse my clients haven't all experienced that but they have experienced um what we call adverse childhood experiences so there's like a whole plethora of uh, different issues that come under the ace's So, even things like divorce, that would be classed as an adverse, you know, your parents getting divorced would be classed as an adverse childhood experience. So, there's different degrees, if society would terms different scale almost. Um, So, I've got, you know, clients that have experienced, uh, yes, some physical abuse. There's some that have experienced uh, sexual abuse. um, But there's also women that have experienced none of those things, um, but they, they, didn't have a close relationship with their parents for example Um, you know the emotional needs weren't met and it's not again not always that your parents were bad parents it's just maybe that they were really busy but as a child um, that sends a message to you about you. So for many of them it's really deep-rooted like uh, in the hypnosis it comes out in in their subconscious, these deep-rooted beliefs that they have about themselves not being good enough, not being lovable, not being deserving, i.e. worthy. Um, So uh, as I say, that's kind of really where all of my clients' issues come from, is is 99.9% is from their childhood experiences.
0: Yeah, um, I, I, it's very kind of similar to to male issues, isn't it? When when you get influenced as a child, like he, like yeah. us, us men are told not to talk, we're, we're told not to show emotion. Well, my generation is anyway. Uh, you know, it is, isn't it? It's that go out earn the money, come home, uh, and and rinse yeah. feet, don't show emotion, don't show like you you're struggling or anything like that. It's very similar. Yeah. Um, the, the, yeah. the, Similar characteristics in in men and women, especially around kind of mental health and emotion and stuff like that.
2: It's huge, yeah. And I mean, I I um you know I left you that voice message the other day because I my personal belief is that uh, these two issues like violence against women uh, and also ACEs that like I've just said and uh, men's mental health issues are the root is really similar. It's that um, it's you're you're taught that you know probably across the world this is like worldwide kind of patriarchal beliefs that you're not supposed to be your real self you're not supposed to uh you know share what you really feel what you really think it's it's better to um you know please others and then you'll be loved. Then you'll be liked. You know, don't really be your real self. And that's that is like a cycle that my clients are in, obviously as women. But I can massively see that there's a, a similarity there with men. You know, like uh, I mean, I don't know if I'm allowed to mention this, but there was the the man box, which is um, something by, by a guy called Tony Porter, and he talks about this man box, and it's like this is society's um, beliefs around what men should be you're in this box you know you can't be this you can't be that you should be this you should be that and again women have the same but i think just as human beings it's this uh generalized kind of patriarchal misogynistic beliefs that you know men shouldn't show emotion but my clients have also been taught that as well and they're women you know <laughs> they've been told that they're you know emotional side is you know too needy don't be needy don't be too you're too sensitive you know those types of things so they've been taught the same things as you think, I think a lot of your your um guys you know would would say the same
1: do you think there is a bit of an observation you're quite right what you say there i think we spoke about it on the last one that all these things that that men are deemed to meant to be are sometimes quite contradictory you know you're meant to be the guy that stands up and protects somebody in a bar fight but then you also need to be the same person that cuddle someone and be affectionate the very next second and cry with them and you know and it's quite a contradictory thing I think what what you're saying there resonates around the women is they're being told that they have to be these strong people I mean how many times do you see a, a strong woman just defined as someone who actually is just a bit of a bitch sometimes and is just is told to be horrible and that means you are a strong person and it's kind of putting on that little bit of a facade well if I'm horrible to people they'll think that I'm just being strong and I think that you know you can can see the parallels uh from male mental health and and female mental health it it doesn't really for me it doesn't exist it's kind of it is just one and the same thing yeah
2: it's human issues it's that it uh, as you know again this is my own perspective but it's that um we can't be ourselves you know you've got to you've got to be what society thinks you should be again like you're saying though with all the conflicting things (laughs) so it's like for women it would be uh you know there's loads of pressure on women to have children to be like a mother you know the mother type but then it's also to be beautiful and to be um attractive and Uh, that and then again if you're working and you want to be a uh, successful woman you know a boss if you like a leader then that conflicts with those other two areas as well it's like you can't be all of those you've got to pick and and for my clients it's like why can't I be all of them why do I have to choose and to not be my real self you know to always have to put on these different masks all of the time. And that's where their anxiety comes from is it's just they're not truly expressing who they really are, what they feel, what they want, what they want to have, you know, be, do and have all of those kinds of things. So they're living their lives through um, societies and you know even their family and friends kind of judgments if you like and that's where the issues really come from this inner critic anxiety that my clients really struggle with
0: do you think that kind of bleeds from that kind of social media presence so like all the pressures on 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 women on social media you've got to be this type of woman you've got to look a certain way you've got to do this you've got to do that do you think that is really influencing women to to kind of be someone the not
2: yeah I think um you know there's always been that pressure I think even before social media you know throughout the eons of time there's been this pressure on women to to you know to look a certain way to be a certain way I mean you know the classic like 1950s housewife is a great example of that yeah. but I think now you've got uh, social media, I think it's just increased it even more so. And I think, again, personal opinion, but I think that that's why this generation of young people are affected um, by mental health uh, a lot more. I think, okay, yes, we do talk about it more, so maybe it's more out in the open, so it seems like there's more uh, issues, but I do think that there genuinely are more mental health issues because of this media, Influence, yeah. So I think that you know they're all the time. I mean, how often do you look at your phone a day? And you know, times that by a hundred. If you're looking, you know, at my my teenage girls, you know, they're always on their phones. So I think um, there's that, and YouTubers, all all of that kind of stuff. You know, I think that that um, really influences. um, I think everyone, not just women. I think it's everyone. You know, I think we're all a lot more. kind of judging ourselves a lot more self-critical because of what we see it used to be you know what did we used to have like four four channels on tv when i was younger I don't, I don't now you've got channels. Channels, umpteen channels and they're on 24 yeah. 7 plus you've got social media whereas we used to maybe get i don't know a comic or you know a magazine or something it, we didn't have this social media influence when we were younger um, but we do now and and so do the young people nowadays even more
1: I think a lot of probably more stuff about now how does that how does that translate to being a parent then does that have its own stresses and anxieties as a mother for your kids
2: yeah yeah big time I mean I try and share with my um the, I mean the boys my younger two are um uh 13 and 6 so they're just mostly on you know computer games or playing in the garden or you know things like that so they're not that kind of uh, bothered at the moment Um, but my girls are 21 and 18 and obviously I've had to go through the even younger teenage years obviously until now Um, so I do try and share with them as much as possible around what I know and you know about your standing in your own self-worth and uh, not looking for external validation and stuff but at the end of the day I'm still their mum and they'll roll their eyes and be like oh you know mum shut up you know <laughs> so there's only so much advice that they will take from from me but I do my best and it does uh yeah I mean it does cause anxiety and sort of on a more serious no I mean I both of my girls um attempted suicide so it's you know there is a a thing in our family where suicide is is really um you know a a prevalent thing um you know throughout the generations so uh you know that that was horrendous I mean my mum had a suicide attempt a couple of years ago as well so you know the women in my family attempting suicide is um like a generational curse so to speak um so yeah i'm very much aware of you know wanting to try and protect my my children um my girls and also it will be the boys as they get older as well and are more aware of social media
0: um I'm, i i I don't have any infor- well unfortunately fortunately i don't know but matt matt's um uh, matt's got a, a young family i just want to like kind of put a question to you both about Talking to each other in that kind of family dynamic, do you spend obviously the days just sitting around the dinner table at five o'clock and sharing your day with each <laughs> other? It never happens let's be honest it doesn't happen does it um do you do you have um conversations with your with your partner Matt and uh obviously you, you your partner Faye and um your kids do you have that kind of conversation
1: with each other? Uh, we try when do you find the time? I think is the issue um obviously at the minute it's Completely the reverse for us. We're on top of each other constantly, 24-7 now. I'm off work for a bit. Um, Laura's still on maternity, so she's at home as well. Um, with her being a nurse, she could have gone back to work earlier if she wanted. But obviously, with things going around, she decided it wasn't a good idea with having the kids for her to go back early. So she's off um, until November time. So It's a bit crazy at the minute. You don't really get that time because all routine has kind of been lost. So Oliver, the, the eldest, he's six, so he's up till... Well, we try and get him in bed at a sensible time, but, you know, sometimes he has this habit of being really funny and really nice to be around, so you end up just leaving him up a little bit longer because you're too busy having a laugh, and then he'll go to bed late, and then it's like... We finally get over to sleep as well, and it's kind of like, well, should we just go to bed? Because... <laughs> We're tired, you know, it's it's a long day now. Um, Finding the time to have those discussions is really difficult. I don't think it's, like you said, Mark, it's not as easy as it used to be in terms of the sit down and have your chat over the tea. Um, In terms of having that time to to discuss stuff, no, it's quite the opposite when we're both at work. Laura's 13-hour shifts, um, three days a week. So that time we don't have then, we've not got it now either because we're busy doing other things you know it's true and it likes what happens when you're busy doing other things um so we are we are kind of we don't really have that time to talk you know when we do it it's nice and uh, me being me as well when we do have that time to talk I stay away from anything negative which is probably a bad thing but you know what I'm like I just do things so that um yeah I try and keep things light (laughs) and nice and not too serious because i can't be bothered um which is again is one of my faults i suppose i should be a bit more serious about stuff and speak about stuff and i don't um but when we've only got an hour left in the day i don't want to to be honest i just want to sit and relax and have a laugh and have a bit of fun and you know if it comes around we'll deal with it tomorrow but i'm fully aware that that's what's got me into problems before um but uh, it's all right now. I know how to manage it now, but it's it's not easy. How do you
2: cope with it, uh? Well, uh, what I was going to say was when I was in my previous you know, my marriage, um, that relationship, I couldn't speak up for um, you know what I really wanted, what how I felt, all of that kind of stuff, and that was really um, that kind of carried on through actually not just that marriage, but it was all of my relationships. Um, and it was when I met Jason that that actually changed and I started to um, you know with his obviously support his encouragement he's he likes to talk things through um, that I felt safe enough to do that and I can actually remember like the very first time that that happened there was a a specific issue which was to do with an ex-girlfriend of his and I didn't like her still having contact with him she was asking Money and all sorts of talking about her love life and stuff, and I just really didn't like it. And I felt really insecure, it really triggered my insecurity. And I had um, advice from two different friends at the same time. One was saying, You should speak to him about it if he really loves you, then he'll understand. And the other one was like, You can't ask him to not have contact with this woman, you know, that's it's kind of too much to ask. Like, who do you think you are? Is that kind of attitude and um, I didn't actually have the courage this is really embarrassing to share but I think it's really important I didn't have the courage to say it to to him myself so I used my mum as a (laughs) middleman I got her to say something to him I was so scared of being rejected I was so scared of him sort of criticizing and judging me for it um, so I got her to kind of be the buffer and um, he then came to visit me you know one cause we, we, obviously he lived up this way and I was down in Kent and he came down to visit one weekend and he was oh your mum told me about this particular thing um, you know why didn't you talk to me about it and I just burst out crying because I felt actually it was like a, this wash of shame I felt so ashamed that Um, I was asking something of him you know and uh, it was very very vulnerable moment and also just uh, really scared of what his reaction was going to be and it just just it was so unfamiliar to me to to be that honest like emotionally honest Um, and so I just burst out crying and he said oh you know I've got no problem with it he said I love you and if that's something you want then that that friendship is finished you know so that was the end of that and that was like the start for me I mean that's going back like 13 14 years now that was the start of me really um learning to feel safe to uh, express what I wanted and how I felt uh, and now he can't shut me up so <laughs> it's like, it's gone the other way but from his point of view, I'm still trying to get him to share um, more from his side, as well. So he he will he works really hard and he takes on a lot of stress, and uh, he doesn't. Sometimes I can sort of sense things like resentment, for example, but he doesn't share it until like I really push, 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 push. You know, how are you feeling? Why are you? being sort of a bit snarky there's nothing there's nothing wrong and yet then when i keep pushing eventually it will come out so i think he's he's still kind of learning whereas you know yeah. i'm like out with uh-huh. the sharing of things and
0: stuff i think that's what i kind of I've, i went through a divorce as, as you probably know fit. but yeah i went through a divorce and then but like talking to each other as a partner and as in a relationship i found that really difficult obviously with my kind of history of not really talking about my issues or anything like that, I found that incredibly difficult to open up to my partner. It's that fear, isn't it? It's that fear of what if she, what if she says, "Oh, I don't want to be with you." My God, you're mental. I'm, I'm off. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's that fear. <laughs> I just didn't want to say anything.
2: Yeah, I think, yeah.
0: I think if she'd would gone fully yeah. oh, down your route, fear, just you no, know, not giving up and saying, "Look, what's the matter with you? Why aren't you talking to me? Why are you a bit moody?" are you okay? Are you okay? That kind of thing. I think I would have just gone, yeah, do you know what? This is what's been happening. And I'd have been a little bit more open. But I think like there's a massive pressure, isn't there? On on, on people now to, to kind of not really say anything in Mm -hmm. in, in that fear of judgment, that fear of maybe my relationship will end and she'll tell all her friends that I've said this and that kind of thing. And
2: yeah, and I think it go it does go back to what you were saying, Matt, about the um, the conflicting beliefs. You know, com, you know, the kind of the what what society teaches, especially for for men. Um, but as I say, it does include also my clients, at least. Is this um, you know? I'm just thinking for you, Mark. It's this belief, this fear of kind of um, Wanting to be close and opening up and really sharing what you feel, but it 's that whole man box thing yeah. as well it's like society says and shouldn 't speak about stuff like that because women will they want a protector, so it 's like if you share that you 're scared, then she 's going to you know run a mile because you know she doesn't want that sort of man, and that's that 's what we 're taught in society. I think, in general. And so guys are stuck. I think they're stuck because uh, they obviously have the same feelings as women. We're all human beings, and yet they're not allowed in society to, to share those because there's this um, fear. And also it could be a real reality, actually, that their partner will will run away you know that especially if you know uh, that partner kind of adheres to all of those beliefs that society kind of uh, chucks at men i think it's uh, it, and i think that that's the same for jason you know he's he's well aware that i'm very emotional that i share all of that stuff but i think for him it's like yeah but that's okay for you because you're a woman so what about when i try and do, if i try to do that will you still you know want to be with me will you still want to be with me if I'm if I share that
0: so Faye, you, you mentioned about kind of family life and, and, and talking and you've 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 had a history of some issues within the kind of family dynamic Um, do you find like your your girls for instance uh, the kind of pressures they're under and stuff do you do you find yourself kind of putting your arm around them every now and then do they come to you with with their insecurities to kind of talk about them
2: Um, it's not, if I'm honest, no, not really. They, they are, because there's only three years between them, they're quite close with each other. They didn't, they've not always been like that, of course, loads of fights over the years, but they tend to talk to each other. Um, and the, the, the issue was, you know, it's not issue. It's just the reality of our house is that, um, we've obviously got the girls, and the you know this particular age group, and then um, I met Jason. We've obviously got the boys, uh, so it's almost like having two separate families. Uh, the, the age between you know the age difference between the boys and the girls, and I guess the, the fact that the boys are you know boys, and so they kind of <laughs> play together thing, and then the girls are girls, so they tend to do their own thing together. So the girls are quite close. Um, And also because obviously they share the same dad and there's issues uh, around that stuff as well. So they've got that common um, ground, I guess. So they tend to share with each other um, and the boys, um, not so much Isaac because he's only tiny, he's only six. But Ethan will tend to come to me for any sort of emotional issues. Um, But the, the girls, no, eventually they will Yeah. again if I keep pressuring them, what's the matter? Nothing, nothing, you know, and if I keep going, eventually it will come out. And I mean, we did actually have just being really honest with you. We had a, a big, um, a big kind of arg- argument, um, uh, a couple of weeks ago, but it turned into a, a really deep conversation around a lot of unhealed stuff, um, and you know the girls obviously know my story they know and they see it you know I put it out in my business I'm quite honest about what I've been through um and what they were saying is you know you've never really checked in with us to see how it was for us and so that was the that was a massive light bulb moment for me and again you know potentially a massive trigger of judgment and criticism like you know you're a bad mum but what I've obviously learned over the years is to even though it did hurt was to try and not make it about me it was like what can I do now I am obviously their parent and I need to uh, apologize for that, I think that's actually huge. Is to take responsibility for not having checked in with them and seen how they were doing throughout a lot of the drama that we went through over the years. Um, because I was dealing with my own stuff, you know, I, I was very uh, there was a lot of stuff going down. Um, so I had to kind of apologise for that and take responsibility and uh, listen to what they were saying. And to then ask what they wanted from here on in, like how can we move forward from here, and to take action on those things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so the long answer to <laughs> so your okay. very short was not to me, but um, eventually they do. And uh, and I think it's important for a parent to listen to their child um, and to take responsibility and to take action. Okay. I um. With the girls during the the aforementioned argument slash discussion, um, we I'd, I'd said to them uh, that I think sort of the the, the fear behind what the, you know the the anger of theirs at that time and the upset was that they didn't feel like I I thought they were important you know because I hadn't spoken to them and things like that. So there was a couple of things that I shared with them. Um, one of which is that obviously as a recovering codependent, one of the issues is, you know, perfectionism and all these kind of things. So I've always, um, I've had to learn how to kind of be a good parent. I've had to learn that. And I said, uh, you know, unfortunately for them, kind of my learning, my recovery, all of that stuff has been during their childhood. So whilst they're growing up, so the boys are kind of benefiting from that more than the girls because the girls kind of were were not getting the benefit while i was learning it if that makes any sense so i said so there was that but also that everything i've done for them is uh, because they are so important to me so you know the kind of drama that we went through years ago i would you know taken them out of that abusive situation because i wanted them to have a happier life and to feel safe and to feel loved and all of these amazing things that are so important. And also, this goes with my clients now. That's really, ultimately, at the root of everything we do, is to make them feel safe and loved as they are. You know. So I think um, I was kind of reiterating to the girls that everything I've done, okay, I might not have done it perfectly, and that does irk me because I'm a recovering codependent who wants to be perfect. So. You know I haven't done it perfectly, but I have done it with um like the best that I can at the time with the tools that I've got um and I've done it always with the intention of um you know my my girls are uh, and, and obviously now the boys but we're talking back in the day the girls were like the most important thing to me I wanted them to have a better life I wanted them to feel safe and um and loved, and I think another point that came up during that conversation was that the very fact that the girls can even communicate with me about how they um feel, even if it is a good thing as they feel safe enough to do it. Um, and when I was at counseling years ago, um, the counsellor, yeah, because obviously girls have had arguments with me throughout all of these years, not just now, but I must have brought up at the time about an argument. And, and the councillor said, but at the very least, is your girls feel safe enough to, to verbalise how they really feel. And they don't obviously do that with their dad because they don't feel safe. They know that there's a, a very high possibility that they literally will be rejected if that or at the very least receive criticism and judgment and um you know no kind of responsibility being taken from him and so on if they verbalize it to him so at the very least she said at least feel good that the girls feel safe with you to really be their true self and that's something that i've always um taken with me and i think that that's something you know i'd share with you matt is is the same you know at least if your children Feel safe and loved with you to really be their real self. I think that's that's good enough as yeah. a parent.
0: I, it's a good point you bring up there. It's, it, we we talked. Uh, I talked to Brad on the on on the podcast I did with Brad about attitudes towards mental health and attitudes to opening up. And you bring up a good point around the kind of family dynamic and um, issues with women opening up. And attitudes towards women being able to talk to each other do you think' there's, a, there's, there's going to be a change in that with obviously it's mental health week you've had the Caroline flack uh, kind of thing go on do you think there's a real attitude change towards that Fee around women opening up to each other and opening up to the parents mm-hmm. and the, the
2: partners it, it depends it depends on uh, you know the, the family of origin of the, the person in question so again it depends you know if they've come from uh, a family in which that was okay to talk about how you feel and what you need and what you want and you know to be angry or to be upset and all of those kinds of things then then of course they will feel, feel freer to to do that with their friends and they tend to um uh it's not really attract but you t- tend to have you know like attracts like so to speak so you tend yeah. to have friends like that as well. Um, if you've come from a family where that's not acceptable, um, and as a little kid you will learn uh, that, or you will kind of have this deep-rooted belief that if I say what I really feel to mum or dad or whoever, um, then they're going to shout at me, or they're going to laugh, or they'll criticise me, or you know reject me in some way, then. That is a deep rooted belief in your subconscious mind uh, that will continue on throughout your adulthood. So, again, you will tend to not, unless you go for some sort of therapy, some sort of healing, some sort of recovery, you know, that will carry on. So, I think even uh the discussion is good like the fact that it's being brought into society now we're talking about it more you know you've got royal family and all of that kind of stuff talking about it is great but um the person in question still ne- needs to feel safe enough with their family with their friends in order to actually take the action of speaking up um so it's it's kind of a it's a good move but it's I, I still feel like the, the person in question will need to have their own kind of therapy or, or some sort of recovery or something in order to to feel safe enough within themselves to actually have um, conversations with friends or family.
0: I think it's very similar to us, isn't it, Matt? Like the, the kind of things we went, well, I went through as, as, as a kid being bullied and stuff. It kind of, it knocks it out of you, doesn't it? It knocks it out you, your confidence to open one up in, in case of, in case of judgment, isn't it? Especially around I would say teenage girls. Um, you know, they don't want to open up to set about certain things, and they find it very difficult to open up about certain things. So then, obviously, you hear the tragic stories about teenage girls in the in the paper, obviously taking their lives and stuff. And I think it's a it it's very difficult. I mean, if you if you brought up in in my generation, I talk about it a lot, but in my generation, you don't talk about these things. You just don't do it. It's 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 frowned upon. It's stigma comes out a lot but yeah it's you just don't talk about it and then the pressure on you to to hold it in just becomes too much mm. would you agree Matt would you, would I think, you? oh go on Faye go on Faye
2: what I'm gonna say is for from I think for from a woman's perspective is is obviously very very similar but what the label that they get given if they uh, do try and speak up is over emotional too sensitive, too needy. So again, it's that shaming. Yeah. So where men, um, I don't know, they might be given a different label, but definitely for my clients and, uh, you know, the women that I speak to, that was what happened to them uh, in their childhood and into their adulthood. So it's this, you know, you're made, you're made to feel ashamed of being too sensitive, too needy. too emotional you know you're over emotional all of that that kind of thing and and again you know women in um business in the business world that is not seen as a good thing you know it's like you're meant to be an authority meant to be a leader you know who's going to buy from you if you're too emotional if you're sharing personal stuff you know but it's actually uh what i've found is the opposite is you know I've done talks for uh, say for example chamber of commerce meetings with uh, groups of women there and they've m- been messaging me loads and having loads of conversations with me afterwards because I shared because I was vulnerable okay I wasn't crying but I was sharing vulnerable pieces and I guess it's again it's st- strategic stuff you don't just share everything don't share that you know I had a row with my partner last night or whatever, but you're sharing vulnerable parts of your story that are true that are real that you have worked through that you have healed and overcome um and those that actually increases or has certainly for me has increased my um kind of status as a leader or expert if you like because women can relate to me they're like oh my god like you wear your heart on your sleeve but they don't see it as a negative thing and that's included in the business world um and i think if you were to see someone like uh, the difference between obama and trump for example you know obama sharing uh you know there was obviously a couple of times where he got emotional no one laughed at him for that everyone thought that was you know showed compassion Uh, empathy, leadership, whereas you've got, you know, someone that doesn't do that, like Trump, um, and is very fake, kind of puts the mask on, tries to pretend everything's okay, that, you know, he's brilliant at everything, Uh, and people don't respect that. So there is a shift, there is a shift happening, I think, in the world. Uh, I don't know what you guys think about that.
1: I think we've mentioned it before, where we said about um, the kind of people we worry about are not necessarily the ones who over publicise in some respects um, I think you know you, we've we've mentioned previously about those who seem to put up a different Facebook post every hour about how upset they are and everything's a struggle and this is a struggle and that's a struggle and, blah, blah, blah. and sometimes I think you know it, it, we get a bit cynical and I think I, I do I see through a lot of that and I kind of think well you're one to put to the back of mind because I'm not worried about you because you're talking about it all the time so it can't be that bad I think that the ones that we really worry about are those that don't say anything. Um, you know, you have mentioned there about it being a perceived as a sign of weakness amongst people in business and in the business world that I operate in as well. I've often wondered about, and I've second-guessed myself sometimes giving this, because um, although I've never hidden what was ever wrong with me or, or, or what, what I ever went through, I've never hidden that from anybody. If they've asked, I've always spoke and told them. I made that a plan. I never go out there and openly tell anyone, but When we first started doing this, I kind of thought, shit, am I going to be looked at differently now at work? Um, Am I going to be in a situation now where people at work either deem me to be unreliable because I'm being very honest on something, although I am pretty honest at work as well, to be fair. But, you know, I'm being really honest about something and something that I perceive makes people vulnerable as well. You know, talking about stages in my life where I was incredibly not just unhappy but lost and didn't know what to do and it probably without realising it very very vulnerable when I perceived myself to be at my strongest I was probably the weakest I've ever been um certainly mm-hmm. mentally um and I, I think you know I had the worry about that when we started doing this second guessing myself and thinking should I be doing that and I kind of thought yeah fuck it <laughs> I'll just do it um I have that attitude about a fair bit of stuff now but I just thought just do it you know and, and then it kind of surprised me the other day I was on a call with some people from work just trying to keep in touch really because we were, were off at the moment and you know and a couple of them just mentioned it and said oh you've been doing it I was like oh yeah yeah and I was kind of worried about what the feedback would be and they're like oh yeah it's really good and I was like oh,
2: good
1: <laughs> and I kind of I re- I realized that I kind of went back to where i used to be in terms of being sort of head down shy not looking embarrassed you know that that's where i used to be years and years ago when i was really really ill um it's interesting how i regressed back to that because i was worried about what they'd think and what they'd say and i kind of thought you know it's, it's the last place in my life now where i still have that barrier of really worrying about what people are thinking about me and what they're bothered about and you know, we spoke in the last episode a bit about we have to be different personalities wherever we are. And I think, that you know, the work one has been very professional and, and respected and driven. And, you know, as as I mentioned before, I will stay way after work. I'm meant to be there to get stuff done because it's a money driven business and I want to make more money, basically. But, you know, having all those things, does that mean that you can't be compassionate? Does it mean that you can't be honest? Does it, does it mean that you can't acknowledge weakness? You know, And I think that a lot of people need to try and do that. And I found that really difficult, really difficult. You know, as a, as a hurdle to overcome to doing this, um, I found that quite difficult. And then I kind of just put it to the back of my mind, as I mentioned, until last week. And then kind of had the head-down moment again and thought, Christ, this is how I used to feel. Um, yeah. You know,
2: it, it's well, very I strange. I, I've, I wonder if we could, you know, move, tra- change the words weakness to human. And I think that would, that would change a lot for people if we were to say, you know, showing emotions is human, you know, and being vulnerable is human as it, rather than weakness. I just think that would change a lot. That would shift a lot for a lot of people is, uh, you know, we're all scared that we're going to be seen as, weak and and i think but we are human beings you know we're human beings that do have emotions that do have struggles ups and downs that is that's human it's not weakness you know it's i, I just think it, i find it odd that we use the term a lot weak i think where's that come from why is that you know why is that even in our vocabulary that you know we class pitch, pigeonhole these things as weakness rather than just calling them human
0: i, it's I just picking up on I, I like that because there's, there's the word stigma I hate the word stigma I hate it with a passion and th- isn't,
2: I, I think that's, that's
0: what we mean about attitudes towards mental health isn't it like the, the words that we use like weak and you know that kind of thing if we just change our attitudes to the way we talk about it I think there'll be a massive shift in the way it's portrayed in the media the way it's portrayed between people we talk to and stuff like that but it like when I started doing this and started going public a couple of years ago, I I went through that at work. I thought, Oh no, what if someone sees it? What if someone sees it? And what if my boss sees it and says, Oh, you can't be talking like that in public, you know, and represent us as a company and things like that. I used to, Oh God, I used to walk down the street and like, if people were looking at me, (laughs) it's really, it's really weird. But now obviously we do this. I have lots of, I have a few, few women of, sent me a message saying, oh, you know, I, I've done this, and I've struggled with this, and i struggled with that, and it's it's been really good. But I want to kind of just kind of wrap this up a little bit. We've, we've, gone, on for, we've gone on for a little bit now. Um, I want to talk um, to you, Faye, about when you started getting help, what, like the, the kind of support that was available to, to women back then. Um, is it still available today? Would you signpost anybody to anything, and how would you go about it?
2: Um so for me personally, what I did was I'd gone, uh, because we moved counties uh, from Kent up to Worcestershire and obviously my girls were starting a new school. So there was a, a support worker at the school um, and I contacted her purely because I wanted some you know help just settling the girls in, just making sure that they... You know, felt safe and everything. So she came round, she had a, a conversation with me, and um, obviously found out a bit about our family background. From there, she said um, that there was some support for uh, children. Uh, there was some sort of recovery program, but she said that the mums have to go on their one first. That's just how it worked uh, before the children could go on there. So I went on uh, something called the Freedom Programme. So that is free. It's across the nation. Um, Obviously, during COVID, I don't know how that's working, but normally it's across the nation. Um, And it was, I think it was a 12-week program and so that was the support that I had at the time. And in Worcestershire, we also had um, two follow-on programs, which aren't normally available everywhere in the nation uh, across nationwide. Um, that were more around um, sort of restoring you. So the the freedom program is kind of teaching you about what you've been through, um, you know, controlling behaviours, about the perpetrators, all of that kind of stuff, so that you have awareness, so that you. Don't go into those relationships in the future. The follow-on programmes were more about yourself, restoring your own self-confidence and on, assertiveness um, So in total, I did, like, I did that three 12-week programmes, um, which was amazing. And then what happened was at the end of those three, they said that the funding had been cut. So those programmes weren't continuing. I think Freedom Programme does, because I think that's... Um, run through different organizations and stuff um i think that's still running but the the other two weren't um and also uh, the children's one had stopped so of course by the time i'd done mine my children couldn't benefit from it which was really upsetting that actually was the start of why i began my own company because i just thought we need to get some funding for this because this has been so life changing for me and i just thought i know what i'll do i'll set up my own company wow. <laughs> so that's how i I originally did it um and try and raise funds through that um but uh as far as i know the, the freedom program is still running um so if there's women that have got specifically obviously mental health issues around uh domestic abuse because that's my specialism you contact women's Aid. you can contact refuge um i think there's also domestic abuse uh domestic violence helpline so they and they will signpost you to different um sort of agencies and organisations in your particular area that can help you. So sometimes they're not um, that obvious, you know, on the internet or something like that. But if you contact those uh, organisations as say women's aid, refuge and um, domestic violence helpline, they can help signpost you to more localised uh, groups that can help you. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, if there's anyone that watches this and wants to reach out to me, I'm, I'm happy yeah. to, to help, you know, anything that i can possibly do to help i'm happy to do that as well absolutely
0: yeah yeah i'll i'll, I'll put all the links i'll i'll there is some in hull as well i know like i'm not sure this is why i've got Faye on and I'm, I'm hoping to have my mental health friend come on and talk about specific support groups we have andy's man's club in it, which is a free talking thing so you go and talk to a, a group of men so you, 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 you can go and talk to somebody. There are some professional stuff out there as well, which I will put up there. I'll put some links about that you can go and follow. And obviously the National Health Service will signpost you to certain things. But um, yeah, I just want to say thank you, Faith, for, for taking time out of your, your busy days, for joining us and talking about kind of issues that, that come up with, with women and support and stuff. Thanks for joining us. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope we haven't scared you off.
2: <laughs> I wanted to hear Matt's story about hypnosis.
1: <laughs> oh, I'll tell you it another day. He cost Leave me a lot of money and he just chilled me out for about half an hour. And I think my a chicken.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, right. thank you so much, Faye. I re- really appreciate you coming on and chatting to us. I will put Faye's link you, up there man. if you want to question anything or obviously... Ask us anything. I'll put it in the comments below and I'll let Faye kind of answer any questions down there for you. Let us know what you think about it. Any kind of advice or any kind of things you want to offer, put it in the comments below. But thank you guys for joining me. Matt, as always, You're right, okay. I'll catch up with you soon. Faye, thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. And uh,
2: I'll
0: probably see you soon once lockdown's over. I'll, we'll probably catch up in person. <laughs> Uh, but thanks guys thanks for having me and I'll see you again